Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of the Passive House Podcast, recorded in Terrytown, New York, at the FiasCon 2021 Passive House Conference. Before we get started, I want to thank Fias for putting on the conference and for coordinating with us on these interviews, as well as NYSERDA for serving as conference partner with Fias and community partner with us here at the Passive House Accelerator. Thank you, too, to Rockwell North America. Their generous support underwrote all of these interviews, as well as our coverage of the conference. With that, please enjoy my interview with Karan Gupta of New Fire Building. The audio on my side of the conversation didn't work, unfortunately, so I'll narrate my side for this episode. I started by saying how excited I was to speak with Karin and about his work and his role on the FIAS board, as well as as his perspectives on where Passive House is headed. And I asked him to start by introducing himself and the work that he's doing at New Fire. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Karin Gupta. Um, I'm now working as a general contractor, uh, project management for New Fire Building Corp based in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, working with my old buddy Kevin Murphy over there. And, um, you know, we're doing custom single family right now. But prior to that, I was uh, in the Midwest working on prefabrication, panelized passive house, uh, single family and also multifamily. So, you know, trying to tie together the on-site with off-site construction to deliver better projects. So I'm the fifth of a team of five, uh, and we subcontract everything out. Um, and we kind of just coordinate between the architects, uh, engineers, subcontractors, you know, traditional project management. Um, so I'm currently working on two single family projects. Uh, there's seven, uh, between the whole team. And one is very traditional, uh, you know, basic style home. And the other one's very modern. Uh, it's got some steel overhangs and cantilevers. And it just really never gets old working on details, you know. Every time you're doing a custom project, there's new details to sort out. Um, and, you know, we figured it out kind of on the fly. I then brought up the fact that he's on the FIAS board and asked him to talk about that. Are there new directions that he's hoping to steer the organization? What are his plans, etc.? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is my ninth year at the FIAS conference. The first one was Denver in 2012. And, you know, every year we're kind of pushing the envelope, so to speak. Uh, I remember nine years ago, it was all custom single family projects and nobody was even really talking about multifamily. Now it's on to affordable multifamily and we're touring projects here in the Bronx that are, you know, 26 stories. Uh, So the scale has just been really impressive. And, you know, kind of like the tagline for this conference, emissions down, scale up. So it's kind of working on both sides of the equation. Um... And I think it's really reflected in a lot of the presentations here this, uh, this week. You know, there's still a lot of the kind of t- cutting edge building products that we're looking at, but then also, um, how to commercialize some of this cutting edge stuff and just make it happen on a larger scale. So those are some of the conversations we're having as a group. And, you know, as a organization, it's a lot of design professionals and engineers very, uh, oriented towards problem solving, which is great. Uh, sometimes it's easy to forget about the people part of the equation. So the board is really starting to talk more about looking at the people, the end users for these. And, you know, anybody that's worked on custom single family knows there's a lot of engagement with the end user. 
because in that case, the end user is the buyer of the product. Uh, and it's important as we start to scale up on these affordable multifamily to keep centering the end user. You know, it's easy to focus on the developer and the build crew and the architects. Um, but looking at what are the needs of the actual occupants of the building, despite the fact that they might not be the buyer of the product. Yeah. Uh, so we're having those conversations as a board and talking more about equity and how to bring in uh, more diverse perspectives into what we do here. Um, and we're seeing that again, you know, through the presentations. There was a really great uh, workshop on Tuesday afternoon about that very subject. Um, and another thing that's really exciting is kind of we've largely figured out at the individual building scale how to reduce uh, energy consumption. And now we're starting to look at broader scales. So not just the individual building and even scaling that up to those big multifamily projects, but city blocks, neighborhoods, uh, whole cities, um, moving beyond just the building and looking at infrastructure. So energy generation, you know, there's the Fiat Source Zero now, which is on site, but maybe over time we'll start to look at more uh, community-owned renewable energy generation resources, backup battery storage. There's a panel on microgrids. I wasn't able to attend because there's a lot of competing um, presentations right now, but I heard some really good things about that one. So uh, there's going to be a panel today on embodied carbon, another exciting topic. So we talked about emissions down, but on the flip side of that equation, there's the carbon sequestration and not just reducing emissions, but actually increasing carbon sequestration. Um, so looking at cellulosic building materials, mass timber is growing interest. Uh, but, you know, I was just talking to some folks right here a minute ago about bamboo and hemp annually renewable materials where you can really just start to harvest carbon and lock it up into these uh, low operating energy carbon negative uh, embodied structures and you know really start to move the needle so long answer but I mean there's a lot of stuff we're looking at and it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun I then mentioned that I spoke with Elizabeth Turner yesterday and that her firm is clearly figuring out how to connect with occupants of affordable housing projects, and that she's really seeing her work as a form of climate justice. Um, and she's thinking about how to connect with end users in, in that process of, of uh, engagement. So in the conversations around that, um, I asked Karen, what sort of models should we follow in connecting with potential occupants? Or what are some things to help guide people who want to do this kind of work? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, it's a great question, and I don't want to profess to be the expert on it because yeah, I'm no, figuring it out just like everybody yeah. else. But yeah. I mean, so much of it is just like an engagement process early on. You know, yeah. I know this group really advocates for integrated project delivery, uh, getting the whole build team together, you know, the architects, the engineers, the builders, the developers on the same page at the beginning, and, you know, just bringing in the occupants, the end users, even if they're not going to be of that specific building, but maybe even just your demographics, you know, interviewing uh, tenants from neighboring buildings, from, um, you know, just the surrounding area and finding out what do you like about the place you live? What don't you like about it? Uh, what would you like to see in your neighbors? You know, what would you like to see in your neighborhood? Um, what are your values? You know, uh, and really just having kind of those more abstract uh, type of conversations, which again can be hard for a very technically oriented group. Yeah, right. Um, 
but you know, it also presents maybe new problems, new opportunities, because we've solved so much of what we set out to do over the last 15 years. So it's kind of a new challenge to work on as we figure out how to better deliver value to maybe different stakeholders than we've been in the past. I then asked Karin where he saw Passive House going in the next couple of years and what he saw on the horizon. More scale, man. Um, you know, there's been just so many great presentations about the urgency of the problems that face us and how many of these we need to be doing daily, hourly. Uh, and it's great, you know, this organization grows year by year. And I think a big part of it is going to be bringing more people into our circles. So, you know, it started out with a consultant training, and then there was a builder training, now there's a verifier training. One of the best conversations I had during this conference was with the super of one of the buildings on the tour. Um, and he was really excited about what uh, Fias had done for their building. And he said, you know, people are wandering around looking at the mechanical equipment, as they always do. And we got a chance to speak uh, on the side. And he was asking me, you know, what is Fias? Like, are there courses I can take? And he had a real interest in it. And he said, you know, I appreciate the value of this building. You guys appreciate it. But nobody else knows what's going on. Yeah. And right after that, he was telling me about the storm. I forget which one it was. It might have been Ida or one of those that came through. And it was a blocks-wide power outage. And he said the people in that building didn't even know there was a power outage. Wow. Yeah. That's the story right there, you know. Right. It's, there's a story to be told to developers. There's a story to be told to architects. But again, it's like for the end users... Say so this is what Fias does for your building. This is what high-performance building means. It's not just about reducing your energy bills, and it's about improving your indoor air quality. It's about reducing the noise of traffic down on the street. It's about, um, you know, uh, what was I just talking about? <laughs> a lot of benefits. Of the, the, a lot of benefits. Like, yeah, right. yeah, the resilience. The resilience, you know, yeah. and we're starting to see more of these <clears throat> kind of super storms. <clears throat> so that was New York, but I mean, Texas just this last year, yeah. what a harsh winter they had. Um, so bringing in those people, and again, the super himself was asking about education opportunities. And I mean, he could get some value out of the consultant training, he could get some value out of the builder training. And we've been having some conversations just this week about maybe kind of a building operator, building engineer uh, type of a training. Which it doesn't sound like there needs to be a whole lot because I asked him, what's your experience like as a super of this building? He said, it's so smooth. I just go by and I poke my head in the mechanical closet and I just keep walking. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, you know, it's just the education is my uh, good friend, Rob Leonard. He's going to be presenting on the educators panel this afternoon. Uh, it's going to be a recorded session. He always talks about taking the shoebox off of the top of this movement, you know, and showing everybody what we've got. Um, so, I mean, you guys are really doing a passive house accelerator. You know, one of the best examples, it's like, it's really easy to get into the, um, uh, you know, to drink the Kool-Aid and kind of fall into a silo. But I have friends that aren't even in the industry that send me passive house accelerator videos. That's awesome. And it's so cool. You know what? You guys are having that impact. You're starting to rip the shoebox, uh, the lid off the shoebox. Cause as I said, non-industry people are, starting to see what we're doing so i mean this is it right here